Alright, welcome back to Duke Basketball Junkies. Wah wah a little bit, but uh, I'm here with Pete. My name is Mike. Uh, thanks for everyone sticking with us all, all year. This is uh, this is gonna be our unfortunately our final episode of coverage of this basketball season, this Duke basketball season. We will be back with uh, you know off season news, uh, declarations for the draft, coaching rumors and happenings, um, some off season interviews hopefully, and uh, and draft draft coverage, draft preview. Uh, that's pretty relevant, and of course, recruiting news. Um, as always, you guys can email us at uh, dukebasketballjunkies at gmail.com with any thoughts, feedback, comments, uh, and um, we're gonna be here. We got we got the next, we got another six or seven months. Quit dancing around, Mike. That's You're dancing around what just happened. <laughs> seven the months gut, before the gut wrenching punch the, in the, the blue gut light game. Uh, uh, but but yeah, I guess we have to talk about uh, this weekend. We beat Syracuse in a game everyone expected us to win, but uh, they brought it. And then uh, earlier today, we watched Kansas uh, beat us in a very very tough game. How are you feeling, Peter? I feel sad. The loss in the tournament is always uh, really abrupt, and it it. Uh, I'm always down for like two days afterwards just because mostly because there are still teams in the tournament and we're not and you know getting to the lead eight that means you're so close it's just right there it's just a few games you have to win and um coach K has the greatest record of all time in yeah the I, I was, it's, I was, it's actually incredible I was stunned that his lead eight and, record was 12 and two 12 and two yeah. you remember the two losses um gosh one was our one was our senior year. Okay, Kentucky in '98 uh, when we were up 16, Seven, 17, 17 points. points with uh, nine minutes left. That that was the most gut wrenching loss of my uh, Duke fandom. That and, one was. Yeah, it's because yeah. it was our senior year. Okay, and, uh, I got that. Had a lot invested in that team emotionally. What was the, the other one? The other one was also very similar to this one in, in the sense that it was the last Elite Eight game. You know, we did make like, the final like, five. Yeah, like the final four, the last uh, slot is right there, and it's the last game played Sunday uh, afternoon, uh, Pacific Coast time. Uh, it was Louisville in 2013, the the, oh, yeah. the horrific Kevin Ware game where he broke open his leg, and um, it was uh, Marshall. No, wait, not Marshall. Mason and Ryan Kelly and uh, Seth Seth Curry's last year. It was a good team, very very senior laden. Yeah, we got we got outplayed in that game. In the second half, yes. First half, like we had beat Louisville, first time around in Atlantis, and then we, I think we had a lead, I believe, at halftime, and then Louisville just took it to us. They were a great team that year, really they're, good. They were a really good team. But to go back to today, um, you and I went back and rewatched it again after watching it live. Watch it live it in just, a bar, in a bar there, environment. It neither team really friends. got that much separation. And it never seemed like one team really had a, a like a throttle hold on the game. But watching over time with a few minutes left and watching the end of regulation with a few minutes left, it just really seemed like we either had a one or three point lead with the ball, like a minute left, should be able to close it out. And just a few things here and there, a few unfortunate uh, lack of execution really cost us. 
Yeah, we, we, we didn't make enough shots from, from three. You know, our best three-point shooters shot poorly from three today. That stands out. Uh, the game itself seesawed uh, back and forth. Yeah. It was a. I suppose if you if you weren't a Duke fan and you just stepped away a little bit and you watched the game, it's a good game. You would think it's wow, this is a really very good game. Really Seesaw, yeah. a lot of lead changes, a lot of ties, a couple of blue bloods. Um, I, I yeah, like you said, we we. When's the last time we were really draining the ball from the out from from three? Like it's been a long time, I think. Like well, I, today we didn't. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was worried by about our offense. Like yeah, our, our outside the, the, shooting. The, 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 you, you can really only characterize it, I guess, for the season as, as somewhat inconsistent. Even though Trent Trent had like the hottest stretch run of shooting for like, but a, also had like a, couple, a good month. Yeah, a couple good, couple big cold stretches. And uh, before we get into you know individual players, individual plays, I, I guess I just you know I did want to acknowledge that that the team really gave it their all today. Uh, and I guess the other thing we'll take away from this game before you know is is. Wendell Carter, the foul trouble, that's like one of the big stories we're going to get into. But I really felt as if the team the team really tried its, its hardest. I mean, they, they're still young. They still made mistakes. Uh, I, thought, I, thought the, I thought we got I thought we got a little outplayed, a little out-executed down the stretch, the very end, over time. Yeah. Uh, Kansas definitely played well. They, they played well together, but they had one guy – really emerge and say, hey, look, guys, I'm going to take over this game. Uh, Malik Newman was a complete animal in the second half in overtime. Um, we Like Trey and Bagley, Carter a little bit, like they all sort of took turns, but like no one really stepped up. Like we didn't, we sort of needed like a Bagley 30.15 rebound game or a... We didn't need that much. We just needed one more basket, one yeah. more free throw. It wasn't like we needed like a lot more. To win the game, and that—that's sort of what's frustrating is that this is a one seed Kansas that had a really good year, and you know we we were right there. We were right there. It was ours. It was there for the taking, and we just came up a little bit. Short. It wasn't just there for the taking. I mean, we had the game. It was, it was it, a couple points. It was. Where it felt it, like it, we had the game. Yeah, so. it, for Kansas, it was there for the taking. I feel like for us, it was it was ours to protect, which we didn't do. Yeah, enough, it enough feels that way. But then again, like Kansas probably felt the same way with like seven minutes left in the game. They they were up five or six. Okay, you know, so like it did seesaw enough. Yeah, with a minute twenty five left, with one minute left, we had a three point lead with the ball. With the ball, sure. Yeah. So. So yeah, uh, tough loss. Tough loss. Um, I guess we don't really need to talk about the Syracuse win, other than to say. We we should at least you know acknowledge we 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 made the elite eight. We we beat like a, a pretty game Syracuse team who opened up in the first half playing really good basketball. Right. Um, and uh, you know we we deserve to give we, the team deserves credit for for that win. It was a, it was a sure big, big time stage, a lot okay. of pressure. Syracuse yeah. is an unorthodox team. They improved throughout the year. They looked much better in this game than they did in the first game. Uh, and so we come through that game and, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, I hope, I hope DeVal doesn't screw this game up too much. And, and he flipped the storyline on us. He was, he was their best player, uh, throughout the game. He made the most plays. He was very loose, which is, which is probably a good thing because maybe the stage or the, the, the lights 
doesn't doesn't scare him and he's just loose and free and he, he's free to play. You remember when the game started? There were like four or five air balls from both sides. I mean, it was a big time game and people. A lot of the, the players took definitely a few minutes to get into the sink of the game. Yeah, flow Car- of the game. Carter opened up with an air like I think it was an air ball. Uh, um, Trent, Trent what, had a Trent, three, yeah, Trent three, air ball. Yeah. Zubike had an air ball uh, free throw. Mikhailuk uh, had an air ball three. There were just a bunch of air balls. Yeah, and then um, the game was characterized by a lot of like a lot of clutch play towards you know down down the stretch, yeah. especially from Kansas, unfortunately. Especially from Malik Newman, he was a total yeah. animal. So Malik Newman obviously stepped up and played, made some big plays. Uh, I also think you know, watching it back, he really did a great job on Grayson Allen. Fantastic. I mean, really Fantastic. good job. He contained him. I mean, he he was mostly covering him. They switched off. They did some switching, but yeah. Uh, hats off to that guy. Hats off to Devontae Graham, who managed the game really, really well. And you know, even when he got kind of wrong-footed a few times down the stretch, he still managed to protect the ball, make make good passes, look for teammates. He he made some critical passes, and he hit a couple big shots. That inbounds play down down. The, you know, with the in overtime, yeah, uh, the three, the corner three was uh, was a really nice play, and Bill Self deserves a lot of credit. No one, no one held Bagley and Carter in as much check as these as this team did. Bagley wound up with sixteen, and Carter had ten or twelve. But yeah, but but there were there were no there weren't that many easy dunks. They they definitely weren't. They didn't impose their will on the game like they did against Syracuse, where it was just Lob City dunk fest all yeah. the time. And it seemed like coming into this game, there were a couple things that I was uh, afraid of. One was that Kansas would get hot from three, and they would just start nailing a bunch of threes, which is obviously terrible. And then also, I thought I was afraid we might go away from just trying to get the ball into the into the bigs, like Grayson Allen. When he, I want to say, late in the second half, off the off of uh, <clears throat> ball screens, it seemed like he could give it to Carter, and Carter would just be uncontested. Yeah, they, they but over and over. Like we ran that play like three times, and and I feel like we ran a particular set. It's a double ball screen. First Bagley flashes out, yeah, and mostly he slips the ball screen, and then Carter was setting a more solid screen, and it, and then both guys converged on Grayson and Carter. Rolls to the basket. Yeah, we got a couple easy baskets off that play. And there was a um, very critical time in overtime where, for whatever reason, Grayson didn't anticipate that Carter was open, and he waited too long, yep. and uh, Mikhailuk read the play and, and stole it. And I, I want to say that that particular sequence played, uh, that happened in a game like six games ago, six or seven games ago in crunch time. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean... You know, if we're going to get right into the end of the game, that play was working down the stretch. Oh, over and over. Back. We, and it was then, happening. We're like, let's just keep doing it. Right. So we get we get one possession, you know, after they tie the game, and we come down, and they put Grayson in that same position with the ball. We got 15, 20 seconds. I fully expected to see those ball screens being run, for and and they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. Coach K didn't call a timeout. Yep. And they had two in them. They had two timeouts. Two timeouts. Hidden, and he didn't call timeout. He let them run it. But he did, I think, direct them to set up, set up the action. And for whatever reason, there wasn't much action. It was, mean, it was just isolation. Everybody I mean, clear out. Yeah, I felt like they just they just got Grayson the ball and like 
And the, why not have optionality? Why not set that screen? That play had been working. Right. And then it right into overtime, so well. the first time we got the ball in overtime, they run the play the and Bagley play. gets an easy basket. And uh, it was puzzling to me, uh, a little frustrating. And then in overtime, when Carter fouled out and we put Deloria in, they ran the same play, but they had they ran the same exact play, but they had Deloria set the second screen, the one that really matters. Right. Except... He's not as skilled. Except, well, yeah, he's not as skilled. He, 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 he didn't know how to run the play as well. He's also just less of a threat. So they didn't, you know, it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, and I thought what was odd is if you're going to run the play, okay, we'll let Deloria set the first screen as a diversion. And then, and then Bagley. Then Bagley. Bagley yeah. should be the main screener there, but they didn't, they didn't make that adjustment. Um, the other big, big coaching uh, issue I had, rather, you know, was was Bolden. Where not, was he? Bolden, where, where Bolden, was he? Bolden played pretty well, I and I he actually played very I, well. I counted the team. We outscored we outscored Kansas by uh, five points. I, I think when Bolden was in the game for those three stretches, he had three short stretches when Carter was in foul trouble. Where Bolden came in and became Carter. Right, yep. and he's not as good as Carter. He's definitely not as good as Carter, but he was good he, on both ends. He held down you the know? fort. He was blocking shots. He was contesting shots. He was finishing offensively. Coach K pulls him with 13 minutes left. He only played from 16 minutes to 13 and change in the second half. In, in the second half, and that that stretch was fine. Yeah, we outscored Kansas in that stretch. Right, pulls him, puts in Delarier. Delorier, I'm not pronouncing it right for some reason. And from 13 and change down to 7, Deloria's in there. And it was fine, but it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. We actually changed defenses. We changed the configuration of the zone from that 2-3 that three, that three right. to some kind of 1-3-1 one, one, or 3-2. And it, it, it just seemed like it wasn't as effective in okay. general. And then we, we kept at it in overtime, put Deloria in in overtime when Carter fouls out. And it obviously wasn't wasn't as effective. Uh, you know, I found it I found it puzzling. I didn't really understand uh, why why we why we sort of abandoned Bolton. He's been really effective down the stretch. It's uh, an I, excellent question. I wish I wish he was asked that in the in the press conference, but he wasn't. Yeah, um, people don't like to ask Coach K hard questions. He like barks barks at him. Yeah, not everybody's paying. I mean, these national reporters aren't paying attention to, the, to these kinds of things yeah. like, like we are, you know. The other fr- really frustrating thing for me was um, end of regulation, final shot. It, it comes down, yeah, fine, you don't want to call a timeout. You don't want to worry about inbounding the ball. That's fine. Uh, but you basically clear out and have Gr- Grayson go one-on-one. But Malik Newman was was so good at defending him and staying in front of him that I wasn't – I mean, I, I was not that confident that Grayson could get – any type of a clean look. He actually ended up getting like a relatively okay sort of not shot. Not really. I mean, not really. I mean, he's wrong-footed. Right. You know, and he's kind of off balance. Right. You know, and... If there's a Rolodex of plays, I, I would have felt like that would be like number, I don't know, 99. <laughs> there's got to <laughs> yeah, be like 20, 30 plays that are that are better. Well, but in, in, <clears throat> in his defense, uh, Grayson had drawn um, contact and, and gotten to the free throw line the previous two trips. Two, two, two trips, right. yeah. Not the previous two, but the, there was one in the middle of them. But, but yeah, two of the last three or four trips he had done that. Yeah, and so and maybe that's what he's thinking. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and, and to be fair to Grayson, on that particular possession, 
he had no outlet. Like, like when he was in the middle of making those moves, there was not an obvious pass to be made. Right. And he D'Souza, had, he had D'Souza the, the big, came out to help a little bit, but D'Souza came out in a way so that um, the, the, the big, well. the, yeah, the yeah. big was behind him and he couldn't pass it to him. Kansas, Kansas played really good defense on that possession. There's just no doubt about it. They did a nice job, and but we didn't really make it that challenging. So that that was frustrating. I agree. Um, yeah. So uh, what else? <laughs> it's uh, it's I'm, I'm still feeling down about this, but um, you know, I actually thought um, you know I thought Grayson down the stretch. He had those two drives. He made some plays during the game, but overall, overall he was pretty quiet. Yeah. And and he, you know, as well as he executed a couple of those ball screen plays, there's a couple that, that he kind of messed up. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I thought he was a little hesitant to enter the ball into the, into the post, um, you know, consistently throughout the game. Uh, and so we, was so was probably, Trey. Yeah, Trey was a little too. Where it seemed like Carter had already sealed off his guy and just waiting for the pass, and they're looking at him and they don't give him the ball. Both Carter and Bagley, there were a lot. There were a lot of opportunities to feed the post. Yeah, and I'm not sure that was you know the reason. I'm not too 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 mad at it, but um, but but yeah, I I think we could have we could have played through the post a little more. I mean, what was really impressive about Bagley today, if we're handing out you know kudos. Is that he was doubled very quickly, very early, yeah. and very consistently throughout the entire game, and he only had two turnovers. Okay. And he touched the ball a decent amount, so he was making good passes, and it was leading to some open shots. Uh, <clears throat> now, when Duval was in the game, and I especially noticed this in overtime, they were really hedging off him. He hadn't made a long distance shot in a while. Right. And he did make a couple of them. He made game. two. Yeah. Yeah. And so good for him. But they're still. Totally happy to have him shoot the ball. I mean, it was clear every, every team, well, every team's design plan is to hey, let's let him shoot an outside shot. They committed to it a little more, I think. And you know, when they played so often, it, it actually led to him getting these open drives. Right. Because once he got a running start, yeah, it's like with Ben Simmons in the NBA. Like you play too far off a guy, and then you're just letting him build some momentum. And Duval finished finished some plays, and you know, at the basket. So good for him again. He played a really good game, but the spacing in overtime was a problem, you know. And this isn't really his fault because he has strengths and he has weaknesses. But there were offensive possessions where we needed a three. Yes. Right, especially in overtime down the stretch. We need. We're down three, eighty-one seventy-eight. We had two possessions down three, and in, in neither possession did did Coach K bring in Alex. Alex, to our three-point specialist, yeah. to help space the floor at least, to help Gary Trent or Grayson get an open look. What's What's more infuriating about that is that the, many times it was it was off a dead, dead ball situation or after a free throw where you can sub a guy in. He had the opportunity to, like, to do it. To, why is Delorey in the game? He outside of setting screens, on, on an offensive possession down three, you don't need Delorey in the you game. Can go offense, and defense. If the ball, and if they're running yeah. that that screen play and the great balls in Grayson hands. Uh, and and basically what ended up happening is uh, Bagley had, had the ball in his hands down eighty one seventy eight and ends up outletting it to Deval to shoot a corner three. And it was actually okay. It, no, he had to, has to take that shot yeah, in that spot. It was actually okay, and it was the correct pass. Except 
It shouldn't have been Duval in the game right there. That should have been Alex O'Connell sitting in, standing there shooting the three. Right. You know, or O'Connell's or, on the other side of the court and it's Gary Trent. But only having two three-point shooters in the game allowed them to not have to leave those guys. And Duval's man left him every time and hedged with, with Bagley. Right. And it made it so they didn't really have to pay a price. But it was also, they were also uh, same exact concept with Delorier. I mean, he's the only yeah, guy that they played. Both of them. They, they played more, more guy. Of, because if Delorier's camped out in a corner, he is a, a zero threat. Zero threat. So he that's had an opportunity con- very late to, to cut to the basket when his man left him and he just wasn't kind of. Wasn't doing it. He was more interested in setting screens. Yeah, Kansas recognized that and they took advantage of it. And you know, it was a little frustrating. I get it. You got you're riding your horses. Like O'Connell's coming in off the bench. He's completely cold. He's like, done it before. Yeah, I I just think it's the right move as a coach. Like Coach K just kind of erred on the side of coaching less. I think with this team down the stretch, doing less, yeah. drawing up less plays. Bill Self drew up some really good. Out of bounds plays, some really good action, and uh, you know, again, we've been talking about this all year a little bit, but um, you know, we could nitpick the, the X's and O's. But De- Delorier being in on offense was just a real head scratcher, especially just yeah, possession by possession. Um, Same concept in Syracuse. Like the Syracuse game was certainly not a gimme. There were some um, we could have lost the game, and again. I think it was Deloria who was in the game. Somebody had fouled out. Uh, Deloria got minutes in that game. <clears throat> O'Connell played a minute and a half. I think today, um, and not yeah, much in the other. A couple game minutes, game. yeah. Yeah, it's one of the disappointments for us <clears throat> this season watching watching the team. But um, you know, I it's just frustrating. It's frustrating, Grayson. You know, and to really get to the heart of it. That ball went in and out of the basket twice. He just shot it a little too hard. It was a little bit off. We almost won this game. Yeah. He almost won the game. He almost was the absolute was the hero. hero yeah. in, Four free you know. throws and then the game-winning shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just didn't break that way. Um, and we're left to sort of examine what happened with Wendell Carter and some of the decision-making. So we talked about Bolden not... not You're talking about Coach K's decision-making? Coach K's decision-making. We're yeah. talking about Bolden not soaking up more of the Wendell Carter on the bench minutes, Yeah, uh, whether it was the end of the game in overtime or a couple stretches uh, where Deloria was in there. But <clears throat> look, look, I wanted to ask you what you thought of Carter coming back in the game with two fouls in the first half, which... I wasn't that shocked by it. And, because and, Coach K has demonstrated this season that... Mm-hmm. He's basically instructing his starters, look, you're going to have to learn to play with foul trouble. And he's he's done that with like Gary Trent, with Trey, with uh, Grayson. It's a little bit different with guards, I feel like, because with the bigs, when they come in with two fouls, there's a very high likelihood they're going to pick up another one. So I, I could understand if we're if we're getting behind in the game, but it was, you know, it was... Well, here's the thing. We no. weren't behind in the game. Right. Bolden was playing decently well. Yeah. Carter does have two fouls, but he's had a rough first half in other ways. He got bashed in the face early in the game. No, I didn't think that was that big a deal. Well, I'm just saying, he was having an off half. Yeah, he's you know, certainly he, having he didn't an make off a half. Shot. He didn't make yeah. a shot in the first half. It's not like Coach K had to rush him back in the game with four or five minutes left in, this, in the first half. Because it was, a, it was a close game. If anything, we were up a couple points. Okay. Uh, so I think that eagerness, you know, obviously results-oriented, you know, was a mistake because he picked up a foul pretty quickly. 
So he has three fouls heading into the second half. Yeah. What do you think of him starting the second half? I don't have any issues with it. You're good with it. You just you, you know you got to play the guy. That, yeah. You know, if you bench him, then it's like he, you know, we talk about Roy Williams uh, sometimes holding guys out too long. Right. Right. Because you know, and then like he sat Joel Berry forever. I feel like in the uh, ACC tournament a year ago yeah. against us. Um, just took the penalty. It was, it was like, yeah, you know, it's like the worst case scenario, self-imposed. So, so you're you're suggesting that maybe just sit uh, Carter until the 16 minute TV timeout. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Usually, guys don't have three fouls. Crucial, crucial guys don't have three. Crucial big men. Yeah, your, your defensive linchpin doesn't have three fouls because you didn't put him back in the game to get that to get that third foul. So in the case when it happens. I mean, I guess he was trying to steal a few minutes, but, uh, you know, it just seemed questionable. And then the the big, big play that everybody's going to talk about is the charge block uh, <laughs> that they that he fouled out on in yeah. overtime. Yeah. Um, probably a charge. I, I, I think most people would say it was a charge. Probably a charge. Uh, I will say that on that play, both Gary Trent and Duval... Could have could have made a move to cut off the the driver, and both kind of shied away from it, right. leaving Carter to step up. Um, I don't know if it was a great decision to go for the charge, even though I think it was a charge because it's a it, lot to risk on yeah. a fifty fifty call. Right, you might not get the call. Right, like so. I mean, it's, it almost would have been better just just you know half heartedly contesting and, and maybe letting him have the basket. With three and a half minutes left in overtime. Yeah. Um, the the other thing is, I thought Carter fouled out with six minutes left in the game on that baseline sort of yeah. contact. They called the guy. They said the guy dribbled out of bounds. Yeah. Carter thought he had fouled out. He put his hands in his head. Right. He thought he and, he, and he bumped him. And let's be honest, he did bump him. Yeah. Uh, he he should have fouled out right there. So in terms of like. Any crying or whining we're gonna do as Duke fans that we got robbed because of that call? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't view it that. I way. I think he should have been out of the game with six minutes left, right? I mean, calls go both ways. We've yeah. received some good ones and and been on the wrong end of other ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it it probably was a charge. Yeah, and for sure. I don't think it was a good call. And and um, I mean, we have the bigs to sit Carter. You know, Ooh. like we do. Bolton's been playing great for about. Three or four weeks now. Yeah, he had fresh legs too. Yeah. We could have brought him in. And he overtime. seemed he seemed awfully fresh sitting there on the bench watching the action because he, he got zero play. I wonder how much it's going to impact his decision now. Everyone's assuming he's coming back because he hasn't played well enough to really justify going pro. Yeah, but if I'm him, I've, I've probably had it. I'm yeah. probably out. I'm just, you yeah. know what? I don't need this. Right? He's he's averaging what eleven minutes a game. 11 and a half, 12 minutes a game. He's played well, and he gets anchored to the bench when the guy he's the backup for fouls out. Yeah. I mean, it, it it must be incredibly frustrating for him. And if he doesn't say anything, good for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, man, I mean... I mean, the, the only explanation would be... Um, for Delore being in is Delore is more athletic. He's more per, he's more agile on the perimeter, and Azubuke had fouled out, so Kansas was much more perimeter oriented. That would be my only explanation yeah. for like what Coach K is thinking in terms of I'm going to go Delore over 
uh, Bolden. Yeah, I just think I think Bolden Bolden actually provides more offense than than Delorier. Plus, I mean, it's about the same, I guess. But no, no, I, I, he's I just would, a more fundamentally sound defensive player, and 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 they can play that that defense that pretty much worked for us down the stretch with Bolden. Carter really, I'm sorry, uh, Bagley really, to me, doesn't doesn't protect the rim. So yeah, it left us kind of. There there were some times clean. where Bagley was the the center defensive. Um, he he was playing the role of Carter, and that's a scary proposition because. You know, there were a few times he just got out of the way of a guy who was driving towards the basket. Let's call a spade a spade. Malik Newman's coming down the center of the lane in yeah. overtime, and Bagley just just Olays, back, Olays just, and goes to. He decides to cover the three-point three point shooter. Yeah. There's no one between this driver and, yeah. the, and the rim, and it was a pretty decisive play in the game. And the announcers kind of didn't say anything about it, but I'll say it. His instincts are Where bad. Where was he? Yeah. What His was he doing? Are bad. His instincts are bad, man. Yeah. He, I actually thought Bagley made a number of mistakes on the defensive end in this game. It's not just him; it's also Duval. Duval like, made some mistakes. Gary Trent. We have to ask the question: Why was Mikhail Luke so wide open for that game tying three at the end of re- regulation? I mean, that little area that was Duval's responsibility, and for whatever reason, he decided to double um, Devonte Graham when Gary Trent was right in front of um, Graham. He he was in position to to defend. And Trey just decides to help out for some reason, leaving Mikhailuk wide open. Yeah, I mean, uh, Graham is is being covered by Trent, and he didn't need to. There was a, there was a couple of plays down the stretch, and where where kind of the old Duval came out. He took like some some weak swipes, took himself out of a couple of plays on on the perimeter. I don't really want to hit him that hard for it because I thought his effort level in this game his was offense, the best. His offensive been. effort level. He was also... Even his defense in the beginning of the over, game. Was, yeah. And he had a few swipes oh, that, that worked out well. Overall, he's he's pretty good. But let me just uh, say this. When I was doing a little bit of research on Loyola Chicago, um, we're talking about the coach. The coach played and also assistant coached under uh, Rick Majerus. And so he's got certain fundamentals, certain tenets that are written on the wall of the practice facility. And one of them is defense is about footwork. It's not about your hands. You play defense with your feet, not your hands. And Duval is almost exactly opposite. His feet, his feet, his footwork is, he's almost always, his footwork is terrible. And then he compounds it by reaching with his hands. And he had his moments in this game where he came up with a few steals and you know he does get steals but a lot of times on defense I just feel like he's beyond the action and he's just sort of watching yeah there uh, the first the first Malik Newman three in overtime Deval actually like does one of these weak swipes like comes over takes himself out of the play and that, that's that's another thing he often takes himself yeah. out of the play. Yeah, and the Gary Trent, you know, I noticed on, on watching it back and watching each play a few times, Gary Trent, like, completely abandons his position in the zone sometimes when he sees something. He went from the top right corner of the zone to, like, the bottom left, you know, corner three area to cover a guy that no one was getting. Right. But then the guy swung the ball and it led to a wide open three on the other yeah, side. So I, it's like an error of commission instead of right. omission. And I sort of appreciate that Trent... Right. Was really like he cared. Trent was trying to make plays, but I, I feel but, like in the second half, 
Um, Coach K was trying to make some adjustments. They went from the two-three zone to a three-two, or maybe like a four-one zone. And guys then, got a and then guys got confused as to like, okay, what's my responsibility? And then they're also like running around yeah. to like. So we ran one. They're, they're just running around trying right. to get the open guy. We ran one, and version, I almost felt bad for these guys. Yeah, we ran one version of a good zone defense for the, the last month, a month and a half, and in this game we, we 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 switched it up a few times, and it didn't really work. So, you know. You try things, I guess. You know, like Coach K is trying to make right. some adjustments, and we're killing him for not making others. And it just—it was a close game. We lost the game. I will say most of my friends <laughs> were calling for Coach K's head. Yeah, our <laughs> friends are the our friends. I mean, we're harsh, yeah. but our friends are pretty harsh. Maybe maybe harsher. I don't know. Listen, I don't. I don't think Coach K is as good a game coach as he used to be, and I don't think it was ever his biggest strength. Yeah, you know, he's a program builder. He's a leader. Uh, I believe he, he, I believe he can instill greatness in point guards when he has the time. You know, that, that's the biggest thing. And he doesn't he doesn't have the time. These guys are young, and he's kind of they don't have that much practice time. Yeah, he's got to hedge like what he can get done, what yeah. he, you know, versus how he is. It it's definitely a different type of thing. And um, you know, how do you feel about the season, Peter? After after this loss, we we kind of talked about would just, we be happy? Yeah, it came up, with an elite it came up short. Right? I I feel like if we had gone to the Final Four and we lost a game like this to Villanova, I would have happy thoughts on the season. And the season was disappointing. It was still a very good season. I mean, we're, the we're, reason was disappointing. We're, why? Yeah, we're because we're, we're crying over a twenty nine and eight season. I know most teams would kill for a season like that. The co- I mean, the pro- what, what, the program what do we, what do we and, win this year? and coach PK eighty. I mean, what have we didn't thirteen regular season ACC games. We finished second in the ACC. Coach K won his eleven hundredth game. Hit a hit a milestone. You know, I know he doesn't care about that because you know they have ultimate goals in mind. It's just uh, disappointing because even though we got to the Elite Eight and that was an achievement and that's great, you could also argue that we had the easiest path in the first three games of anyone in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm disappointed in the season. I think it's a letdown. I think it's a disappointment. I think it's a bit of a failure, but I don't think it's a complete and total failure, right? We yeah. did win 29 games. Right. We did go on a really special run in that preseason tournament, not preseason, early season tournament, the PK80. Even though, you know, we did get to see a lot of a lot of really impressive talent on the court. Bagley. We're not going to see many players like Bagley. We're not going to see many freshmen like Carter. Uh, again, Grayson had a decent year after last year's sort of catastrophe, at least PR-wise. So, you know, we won 29 games. We did get second in the ACC. It wasn't like a total failure. We didn't come close to actually winning the ACC. Yeah. You know, we lost to Carolina two out of three times. We did beat them one time. That was kind of glorious. Uh we almost got to the Final Four. We almost got to the ACC Finals. It just felt like we almost did a lot of things, and can't... ultimately I'm left wanting more. But what are you going to do? Yeah. It was a, a fairly good season, but when you get spotted these players, these talents, these recruits, um, I mean, one, you're lucky that you get them, but two, you're burdened with all these um, expectations and pressures, and most likely you're not gonna match. 
you know, when are we ever happy? When we win the national title? That's the only time we're, we're euphoric. All the other times, we're devastated. It's when the team exceeds our expectations. When they, or at least when they work so hard and improve and grow and learn. Yeah. I will say this. <clears throat> we got a lot better. These, these guys played yeah. a lot more as a team, especially on the defensive end, over the last six weeks than they had the rest of the year. You know, maybe maybe the offense ended up kind of sputtering a little. The three point shooting yeah. went cold, but but that's that's like a streaky thing. It's a part There's of the game, of especially when we only have two three point shooters on the floor. Yeah, I think I think, and again, credit to Kansas for you know really crafty Kansas, game plan. Good team, experienced team, talented team, good coach, great program. They, I mean, they deserved it. They played fantastic in the second half and the overtime. Yeah. Carolina Carolina beat us, outplayed us, outcoached us, I think. Kansas did. Other than that, you know, I thought I thought I thought no one really, really outplayed us all year. So uh, UVA beat us. You mean in at he- home. in head to head matchups or just looking at the season overall? So I felt like if we played them again, we, we, we you know, if we played Kansas again, let me ask you, like, Carolina beat us two out of three times. UVA right. beat us one out of one. Uh, do you think if we play either of those teams ten times in a neutral court uh, that we win more than five? Against UNC and Virginia? Yeah. Against Virginia, I would probably say no. UNC, maybe six. I'm, they're both probably, like, you know, 50-50 propositions, but... What about Kansas? What if we played Kansas? What if we ran this game back ten times? I will say this about Kansas in the Kansas game. I thought Kansas played very well in the second half, very well in overtime. I never got the sense that we were playing really well. I thought Bagley had his moments, and I think Trayvon had a good game. But I, I never thought during the game like, man, we're playing great, you know. So I feel like there, there's another gear or level we could hit. So you know, maybe we're. A, be a, a slight favorite, but I mean, I think if I think if we, we play ten gave, times, we win like six of them. Okay, I think if you gave us another, you know, give these guys a month in the gym to practice every day for three hours a day, we're gonna come out and beat all these teams. Like we just didn't have enough road, <laughs> you know, the I runway know. ran out essentially. Okay, you know, on this team, we got better, but not better enough to dominate like we may have been able to do. And, like, when you look at the three tournament wins, you know, I respect Rhode Island. I respect Syracuse, what they what they accomplished yeah. with their team this year. But Iona was super weak. Rhode Island really wasn't up to the challenge. Right. And Syracuse, we already had this mental edge over. And, like, I think we matched up pretty decently well with those teams. I didn't feel like we got a great tournament win. Yeah, we we eked out that game against Syracuse. Um, I, I would. We cons- didn't get a great ACC tournament win, right? So, like, right. what do we really hang our hat on? It's just sort of theoretical that we played better, that we almost did it. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that sort of feeling. Like, I'm mm. going to remember this team more fondly than I remember last year's team because, well, I don't know. What do you think? This year's team versus last year's team. Last year's team won the ACC tournament. So that was like something to hang your hat on. I would say but, I would take this season over last last seasons. Yeah, that was so chaotic last just, year. Just making that hurdle <laughs> to the second weekend, that's a big lift. You know, it's just that much longer. And then teams get knocked out and 
there are just fewer and fewer teams left. And like I mean, you said, when we when we play Kansas, there are only five teams left that can win it all. Yeah, and, and we're up three with the ball with, with a minute left, left in the game. Yeah, and you know, yeah, that guy got a wide open three to tie the game. But if he misses that shot, we're in the final four. We're playing Villanova in like the de facto championship game. Although I think Michigan's got a real live shot uh, to win the title. Um, I hope Loyola wins it, of course. But uh, I I think their Cinderella run is going to end. But yeah, I mean, that was I, nice. I, this, I hear you what you're saying about Michigan. This team, uh, this team had never. I, I really thought it was. They got me. They got me. I was. I was. You're talking about. That, you're talking about us. I was thinking about. Yeah, I was thinking we we might do it uh, at certain points today. I really thought we might do it. And we might yeah, have. yeah. yeah. Might. I mean, the the game was not totally in hand, but it was relatively in hand. I mean, I think you quantified exactly what you thought our position was when we had the ball up three with you know fifty seconds left, fifty five seconds left. Well, at that point, I thought it's like we had seventy five, eighty percent that yeah. we'll probably have this. And I mean, those are that's a position you sh- you shouldn't really give up. The um, how, you know, I was also thinking about this team. It's it is really talented, right? But it's young. And I was thinking about it compared to the, some of our teams like before the game today. I was thinking about it compared to the 2015, compared to the 2010 team, yeah. compared to the 2001 team, uh, even like the 99 team. And I was thinking that it is, it is too young. They haven't played well enough. They haven't been consistent enough. There's too many sort of execution issues, defense, transition defense. To really, for me to think, even if they won, even if they we won the national championship this, this year, you, I, I still wouldn't classify. The lasting like impression a, of the team wouldn't have been you, an all-time great right, Duke team. Right. I would have been like, oh, they got there. Yeah, they, they got did something. Yeah, they got a little lucky. You know, I'm happy for them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been luck exactly. It would have really been talent overcoming sort of youth in it. But but I wouldn't have felt. You know, I, I still feel like 2015 was a little lucky that we didn't have to play Kentucky. And I, it, I don't know if that's true. I mean, we we might have been the third best team in the country. I mean, Wisconsin that year. Wisconsin, Wisconsin was, almost was, beat us. was lights out. Yeah. Wisconsin was lights out. And I don't know. What, what they, you, I mean, they had us by nine with with you know ten minutes left. Um, that that was a great team. Right, let me ask you this. Well, you know, I'll try to end this on some different note than just talking about this loss. If you had to go back, you know, let's say we ran we ran a we ran an NCAA bracket, a regional bracket with the 16 best Duke teams. I'm not going to include 91, 92 because I think we'd all agree they might they might be the the best. But uh, since we went to Duke, starting in 1994, okay, uh, which team do you think uh, is the favorite to win the bracket out of all the the Duke teams, including champions and almost champions? You know, uh, who, so who's the best team? Who's the best team? I think that's easy. I mean, like really I think it's easy. down to two teams, right? Um, who 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 who'd you put in the finals? I I mean, I think it's easily the '99 team, easily, like not close. I think I think it's the '99 team too, and I think the 2001 team uh, plays them in the championship and, and maybe beats them, but but '99 wins most of the time. Yeah. The 2002 team doesn't get very much credit because they got bounced in the Sweet 16. That was a great um, team too. That's that, the third team. That made that team. They didn't obviously have, lost Shane Battier, but they lost Battier. But they got 
Boozer, Dunleavy, and J. Will with another year of experience under their belt. And then Chris Duhon as a freshman. Duhon with another year under his belt. And then I believe Dante Jones replaced Shane Battier, who, I mean, Dante was pretty fantastic also. Yeah, so the 99 team, just to, you know, for those of you who weren't alive or uh, watching Duke basketball then, uh, it was Will Avery, it was uh, Trajan Langdon, it was Corey McGetty coming off the bench, Elton Brand, Chris Burgess came off the bench. Nate James was a starter on that team. No, he was off the bench. He was off the bench. Chris yeah. Carwell started. Carwell started. Battier started. Battier started. So Battier, Carwell, Elton Brand, Trajan Langdon, Will Avery. Will Avery was a great college point guard Yeah. as a sophomore. What I liked best then, about Will Avery was he came right after Wojo, and Wojo was this really fiery guy, like constantly slapping the floor. Will Avery never did that. You know, he just cool. followed, he just followed he was true to himself and he just followed his own thing. He was always under control. Trent Duval remind you a little of like freshman Will Avery? No. Cuz I feel like Will Avery played very within himself even though he was he he had certain elements like that. I I, I felt like he was better decision maker, better passer, better at basketball, much better shooter. Um I don't. I can't think of a. a I'm still not sure for, why Will Avery didn't make it for Trayvon Duvall. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was surprised too. Yeah, and I guess Rick. I guess Ricky Price was on that '99 team. Uh, no, no. He graduated with us in '98. I thought he had a redshirt year. No, no. No, he he. Okay. He was he was lamenting that he should have gotten a redshirt year. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Taman Taman Umzowski was on that team. Right. Yes. It was. That was that was his played. senior year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we? I guess. I guess we should talk about the the guys. Um, I'm glad Deval ended on a high note because I felt like this season was was very up and down. Uh, I'm glad we got to see pretty much a complete performance from him from start to finish. This is his best game of the year, right? One of. I feel like he's had three or four games that were on, on this level, but yeah. never on a on a. On a stage this big, twenty points, six assists, yet yeah, four turnovers. Yep. In a in a game where his team needed him, because again, I I, I just felt like like no one was really stepping up, saying, "Hey, this moment's really big, guys. If you guys can't handle it, like Gary Tramp, you're going to go one for seven from three. Let me take over." And you know, there were many times where he did something fantastic. Like he would he would go in and he would dunk with authority. But r- while he's jogging back on defense, he's like doing the raise the roof. Like he, that's just who he is, you know. You got to take the good with the bad, and he's a little, you know, showy, little hot doggy. He made two big buckets in overtime after playing a really good game right. in regulation. The ball wasn't in his hands much down the stretch of regulation, uh, and when I'm saying it should have been O'Connell in the game, it's partly because the ball wasn't in his hands. When the ball was in his hands today, Trey's hands. It, yeah, it went well. It mostly went well. He, did, he had he a turned few, the ball yeah, over. A few questionable decisions. He tried to split a double team with in a minute, very yeah. narrow gap. With two minutes left turned in overtime, over. he turns yeah. it over. But that, that was a weird play because if he had just swung it out left, if he had dribbled out left with his live dribble, yeah. he had. There's only two guys in front of him. One was on Bagley. One was on. I think it was Grayson, but it might have been Trent in the corner. Yeah. And if he drives that way. One of those guys has to commit to him, then he's got a guy open for a pass. Right, and that was that was an unfortunate thing. He tried for a high degree of difficulty, but um, but he did score. He had that weird running hook with he had his some, right hand. He had, and, and he had, he had like really a half well. a dozen very very nice yeah. acrobatic 
high degree of difficulty shots. Yes. He, he even canned a couple threes. I mean, this guy is not shy. He is not shy. Uh, I thought he was the absolute player of the game for us. You know? Yeah. He was the best player with the Duke uniform on today. So I had high expectations for him coming into the season, and he was my sort of most disappointing. Right. One of the incoming great freshmen. Uh, and I'm just glad he went out on a high note. I don't think there's any chance he comes back. I don't think there's any chance any of these guys come back. I agree. I think the entire starting five is gone. Obviously, Grayson has to go. Bagley and Carter are obviously going. They're both top ten picks. And uh, The other three guys, including Grayson, I mean, they're sort of all over the map in terms of projection. Right. Draft-wise. I guess, you know, for those of us who are sort of used to thinking like, oh, if you're not going to be a first-rounder or a lottery pick, you should maybe come back to school to play for another year and maybe you play yourself up. But, but these days, people don't do that. Almost nobody does that. Miles Bridges did it this year. and But that wasn't really to up his... Yes, yeah, his, his it, doesn't he, up your, he just, it doesn't up your stock. Yeah, he just decided to come back because he loved Michigan State. He loved uh, Tum Tum Nairn. He loved Tom Izzo. He wanted to get to a Final Four. Um, yeah. It's just hard to win in this tournament. You know, like... Yes. I think we're, we're not... We're, of course we're not we're. appreciating um, the, the wins in the tournament enough. I mean, it's just tough. Tough. Like Bill Self, he's won 14 straight Big 12 titles or, or whatever. This is only his third Final Four. Third. I mean, yeah. and he's tough, a, tough to get to. Good teams, good coach. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of randomness, as you like to say. But, um, but yeah, I, I think even if Trent and Duval get feedback that they're not going to go in the first round. And I think Trent, we'll talk about it when we do our draft draft stuff, but uh, I think they're going to go anyways. I think they had the mind to go. Yeah. And I think we've recruited over them. And, you know, I yeah. think the recruits yeah. coming in are expecting them to leave. I think Coach K is expecting them to go. And they can improve and develop better, you know, outside of college. They just don't get to practice enough. They get too much stuff going on. So, uh, it's just the way it is these days. These guys are, are most likely one and done. It'll be interesting. I hope you know. I hope Bolden comes back. I hope O'Connell doesn't go anywhere. I don't think he is. I hope a lot of these guys don't uh, entertain thoughts of going to other schools. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm Brankovich, I mean, I have no idea what his life like, is like. He's a, he's a junior. If, if I want to play, I don't think he's gonna. I mean, if I want to play minutes somewhere, yeah, and I'm like. One of these guys, I'm thinking, I'm going to go. And I actually saw Justin Tucker gave an interview talking about why he left. Did you see that? Jordan Tucker? Jordan Tucker. Who knows what his name is. Uh, he's he's, he's you, a guy, by the way. call him Justin every time. I, every time. Yeah. It's got to be uh, Justin Robinson, like you're you're mixing up Justin Robinson with Who's that guy, Tuck? Jordan Tucker. Tuck, the defensive lineman on the Giants. Was that Justin Tuck? Um, yes. That's probably Maybe. why. Is that why? Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyhow, he gave an interview, and he just he simply answered the question. Usually, guys don't say exactly why they leave. He's a butler, right? Yeah, and he he gave an interview with a student paper, and he just said, "It's about minutes. I want to play. Like it's just yeah. that simple." Right. He's like, "I liked it there, but it was clear I wasn't going to get enough minutes." Yeah, and he they, he wasn't sure. And and we've talked about this. Yeah, I mean, for it. for all the speculation about. You know, kids want to be closer to home, or they're they've got this issue or that. It pretty much almost universally boils down to playing time. 
That's uh, that's important to people. <laughs> they're they're basketball players. They want to play basketball. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> on the well, court, right during during between the whistles, right? But to contextualize a little bit more for him, I think he probably overestimated his value to the program. I think it was at a point where we totally expected Kevin Knox to come. Kevin Knox chose Kentucky, sort of out of the blue, and we needed somebody who was sort of fit that role. And we had we didn't have Bagley at the time. You know, we need like a, a rangy wing guy who could shoot. And yeah. he probably had different ideas of what his role would be. It was clear he there was a mismatch there, you know. And then he's like, Look, it's it's probably better for him that he he did that so early. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Go and be successful with Butler. We're gonna play our five best recruits forty three to forty five minutes in an <laughs> overtime game, unless they're in foul trouble. And that and the other guys just aren't gonna they're not gonna play unless they really really earn it. Yeah, Even yeah. O'Connell, I thought, earned minutes this year. Bolden, I thought, earned more minutes. They didn't really get that many like, more. You, know? you and I, we've been Just watching Duke goes. basketball for over 20 years. We know how Coach K is, but it did seem like this season, even more so than all the previous seasons, he just rode his starters till they died. Like I, not not well, to not to say that the starters were tired. I'm just saying fatigue didn't usually, play a role yeah, today. I don't think yes. it did. And yeah. by the way, Bill that, Self that played. Yeah. yeah, I know. Bill Self played his starters the whole game. Yeah, you know? but but yeah, this year I just this year even more so than most years. Like we know, Coach K usually only has like a seven man rotation, or he has very little faith in his bench. But this year seemed even more pronounced. Yeah, and I, want, I wonder if it does have to do with the fact that these guys are only here one year. He just wants to ride the shit out of them. Yeah. Or if it's just him getting older and a little more set in his ways. Um, you know, let's face it. He's, he's, he's an older coach, and uh, he may not be quite as quite as flexible and sharp as he once was. He may, you know. <laughs> I, he may I, not, I was presenting this argument half a year ago, and you're... <laughs> Well, he's, like the he's, older you get, the, he's still the, the greatest man. The older but... you get, the less you care about what people think. Yeah, you, you know, when I was making the argument about you know, seventy, eighty, ninety year olds, they just care less and less about, you know, how they're viewed. So RJ Barrett, <laughs> a couple, couple more small things, and then we'll we'll wrap up. Uh, RJ Barrett, who's uh, our all world, one of our all world recruits coming in next year, already posted a Twitter video. Saying, saying saying this won't happen next year. He's saying we're gonna get it next year. I, we're all we're, he's like he's like we're all down about the loss, but I, he, I don't know. He didn't really promise. He just said we're gonna we're gonna bring it home next year. Is what he said. Along the veins of Ty's Jones did the same promise after uh, Duke got bounced by, I believe Lehigh in 2014. He, oh. t- he texted Coach K saying, "Coach, this won't happen next year." Love it. And obviously, <laughs> it's got no correlation to what. What happens, but you like to see the one, the exuberance and excitement, and two, that the, that they follow the program. Yeah, you know, they're not just. So what was interesting this year is we had one through five starters that all had a lot of talent. Had a point guard, had a shooting guard, had a Gary Trent, a, had a shooter, a dead eye shooter, offensive had, talent. Yes, like, and, and I I really expected when when we got that commitment from Duval, and all I had seen was YouTube. He looked to me like Derrick Rose, or he was going to be like all world. Uh, and what I didn't realize, what I didn't think about, we talked about with Ricky Price preseason, really about these recruits. You know, when we first got all these recruits, when he came on, I think it was in the late summer. Yeah. And 
he basically we, we discussed how rec recruits are a little different these days you know these these five-star McDonald's all-american guys they they're workout warriors they're individual they, they train individually you know in two on two I think they, it, he, his his phrasing was they conduct they conduct themselves like they're a pro like Gary Trent his dad was a pro he conducts himself like a pro Right, but they're also not necessarily great at basketball, right? Because they're, they're playing in these sort of like heightened types of settings, these games. They aren't necessarily playing as much five-on-five. Five. Uh, they're protected. They're coddled. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bagley is, is the best example, I think. Even better than Duval, and Duval's another example of the kind of guy who looks great in an individual workout, has speed, can jump out of the building, can hit shots, right. has range, but when it comes down to it, kind of was just a little too inexperienced to yeah. be, even though he was so dominating and put up big numbers, yeah. there were there was chinks in his armor. and it, you, it's, a, it's a team game. It's a team game, and these guys are And you have to know how to play yet. as a team, especially defensively. Yeah, so... 2015, we had, it was a good case. We had these very talented freshmen combined with some senior leadership uh, with Quinn Cook and Jefferson was a junior, but he was like a senior. Yeah. Uh, and Matt Jones is a junior, also almost like a senior. Uh, no, Matt Jones was a sophomore. He was a sophomore? Yeah. Oh, wow. He was good. Good sophomore. Good Mar defensive player. Marshall was a junior. All right. We had a lot of experience in that team, but also those freshmen that came in played – Winning basketball, you know, especially down the stretch. Yeah, uh, we started playing a little something closer to winning, winning basketball with this team. I think I think our ceiling was actually higher with this team, but uh, we didn't get there. This next year, the guys coming in. The point I kind of want to make is, I hope, I really, really hope. I I think I want to believe. I sort of do believe that RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, Tre uh, Tyus Jones' brother Trey. And Zion, though Zion's the one who just might show really well in skills and YouTube highlight reels. Zion Williamson. Yeah. They're, these guys are going to come in, and they, I think they really know how to play basketball. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about it. Last thing, Pete, uh, there's a rumor going around that John Shire might be in the serious running and may have been offered the pit uh, coaching job. Did you verify this? Because when when I first read it, I like wasn't, rumor I wasn't sure that it was true. I mean, John's like, what, 29? Yeah, but he's like a kid. Well, Pitt's in, in sort of a bad position. It's in a horrend it's in they, horrendous they, shape. They was, they had one of the worst years. Their entire in squad asked for transfer papers or for asked to be released. One, they hated Kevin Stallings. Stallings got fired. Then everyone said, "Hey, I want out. I want." There's, they only have a few players on the on the squad. Okay, so I pulled up an article here on some. Site I've never heard of, and it just says there are conflicting reports on whether Pitt has offered John Shire its head coaching job. Okay, let's uh, say let's say you're Gerald Henderson, you're John Shire's best friend. What advice would you give him? I would say don't take it. He is sitting pretty under Coach K's tutelage. You're he, he, there's there's no risk in staying at Duke to your sort of curating. Going to Pitt in this spot is would just be complete disaster. Well, here's the thing. The program's in tatters, right? They actually have tradition and legacy there and some infrastructure, right? right? 
resources. Okay. They have a nice gym. Okay. They have retired numbers of guys who played well in the NBA. They have a history of tournament success, or at least making the tournament. You know, as as a one seed. Yeah, you know, Pitt 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 has made the tournament like twelve or thirteen times in, since two thousand. It's not like they're just like here and there. They were very good consistently, uh, and they have like a natural recruiting base. Uh, in the Ohio Valley, in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, there's a lot of talent nearby. So what? What the reason I think it might be a, a really good opportunity is the expectations at this point are super low. I mean, there'll be zero expectations. And then again, Kevin Stallings probably had zero expectations this year, and they still gave him the axe. Um, but I think with a young coach, with that Duke Petter degree, I mean, a lot of recruits know him and I think there's a decent chance he could do well and he'd probably staff up what do you, a bunch what of do you consider guys. do well uh, I think I think I think kids might might buy in you know the problem is it's kind of too late for next year he's okay. gonna have to suffer through a, a, a year but he could, he could get after it on the recruiting trail and you know there's, there's probably some decent he's well connected enough where I, I bet he could get some interesting assistant coaches to to work with him okay I mean, I I just I look I I always go back to Danny Manning. He's probably more seasoned as a coach. He was an assistant coach under Bill Self in Kansas. He was a head coach at Tulsa. Then mm-hmm. he goes to Wake Forest, which is you know, Division One school. It's got the infrastructure. It's got NBA Hall of Famers. He's doing fine. Is he doing fine? Yeah. Or has he set himself up to be in a position where it's very 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 difficult to succeed because? You're going up against the Dukes, the UNCs, the Syracuse, the Notre Dames, the Louisvilles. Um, I think like, expectations aren't that high for Danny Manning coming into that program. What did, he's done he, kind of okay. He finished like 4-14 four and 14 this year, didn't he? But what do you think his goals are? Do you think Danny Manning... You always talk about Danny Manning feeling bad for him. Every, every th- two months on the podcast, you give this soliloquy about Danny Manning. Danny Manning's fine. He's a multimillionaire many times over. He's a winner. He's Everyone associates him with... Being a class guy, a winner, all this stuff, he, I think everybody still likes him. I don't think like he's being tarnished at Wake Forest. He's like coaching kids. He's having a good time, and he's an underdog, and it's okay. He actually made the tournament last year. Yeah, he did. Because yeah, John, John Collins was great. You know, obviously your players are gonna. It's gonna determine how you do. But I just feel like going into the ACC and being one of the bottom teams as your first head coaching job. You would think he's gonna get battered? Would be like his confidence might get so destroyed that you know the kids don't listen. They just throw in it. Like I mean, do you think it would be better for him to go to like a Fairfield kind of a situation, like a like a mid major where there's no expectations, and then you know the problem is if you don't succeed there, you're buried forever. If you don't succeed at Pitt, people sort of understand you came in without a lot of assets and maybe. You, you lateral move somewhere else. You yeah. go back onto an assistant coaching. He's young enough. I actually okay. think it would look very impressive if he got a major program job. And if he had gotten this job five years ago, then it would have been a huge, amazing opportunity. So, like, the history, the legacy is there. Hmm. Like, if he had replaced... Uh, I just hope you know, Coach K... Ben, ben I, I, hope, I hope Coach K uh, advises him not to take this job. It's like not... Not the best job for him right now. Yeah, I don't know if there's any other offers coming his way. If people listen to his podcast, I mean, 
seems like a nice guy, but like you know, for, I might for, not for example, I would say, <laughs> hey, why not? Why not Rhode Island? You know, it's like a smaller scale, A10. Less, oh, Rhode less, Island would be a better less, job. Less, less scrutiny. You don't get destroyed by the UNCs and the Duke like twice a year, every year. Rhode Island would be a better job because they have a talent base already. Right. And well, like, there's, a, okay. there's a real history in that program as well. You know, sure. They have Lamar Odom. You know, uh, Jim Harrick coached at Rhode Island. Like, they've had a good coaches that have gone to success. Right. Same with Pitt, though. You know, it's just right the Jamie, second. Yeah, Jamie Dixon ran a great program. Was it Ben Howland the coach? It was uh, Jamie Dixon. No, Jamie who, who yeah, was the ben, coach that went on to Ben Howland was there UCLA. before he yeah, went yeah, to yeah. UCLA. Yeah, he was a great coach. Like, yeah. So there's a history of coaches going from there, leapfrogging to other jobs. I bet you Kevin Sollins gets another job. Maybe he'll go to Rhode Island. You know, he yeah. It wasn't his fault. Um, all right, we'll see. It's probably just a rumor. John Shire's probably not going anywhere. Uh, I, be, I wonder if Nate James might. I'd might be, be very surprised numbers. if Pitt actually offered him the position. I mean, yeah, be, John Shard, I don't, in my estimation, it, he doesn't have, he doesn't have it yet. It didn't make sense. That, that, he's like, been on the bench for ten minutes after the game. I want to say 2015 was, was the first year he was on the bench, so he's been on the bench for three or four years. He graduated in what 2010. Yep, he's 20. He's like 30 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not impossible, but for a big time ACC school, yeah, Wojo had I, to pay his dues longer. I, I think but, it would be. I mean, that would be a, a reach. I think Wojo was offered a, several coaching jobs for a few years before kind yeah, of waiting. Yeah, they all turned and, and down. They all turned Marquette. down. Um, yeah. like schools that wouldn't put them in the best position to succeed for their first job, and and they're both doing pretty well at Wojo at Marquette. Chris Collins at Northwestern. Northwestern also, I thought, would be a uphill, like a steep uphill climb. But he's done pr- really well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll see what happens. Are you uh, not going to watch the Final Four? Yeah, are you tuning out? No, I'm going to watch the Final Four. I mean, uh, Loyola, Villanova. Loyola is a great story. Yeah, you have your ties to Villanova. Philadelphia. And I, I grew up. I grew up a Villanova fan. I, I haven't followed them as closely. Lately, which is sort of a shame because they've been so amazing. But you know, I could I could name you, uh, you know, dozens of Villanova players from the '80s and '90s. So you know, they're, they're close to my heart. You know, Kerry Kittles, that Kerry Kittles game losing in triple overtime to Petey Sessons and ODU. That that that's one of the more painful losses in my basketball watching history. You know, so uh, and the '85 championship with uh, Ed Pinckney and you know Dwayne McLean and Brian McLean and. Harold Presley and, you know, all these guys that, that shot 80% in the second half. Or, or actually, for the whole game, they shot like 79%, 77%. That, that's my first, that was my first Exposure NCAA to tournament. college basketball. It's my first memory of NCAA tournament. I was eight years old. You know what my first uh, college basketball memory was? Um, what's that? Danny Manning. The Miracle Jayhawks. That's why you talk about Danny Manning all my the time. My parents went, went to K-State. K-State played Kansas twice a year and... Danny Manning was fantastic. He was fantastic. I actually, to bring it full circle, there was an article about um, USC hiring the, the father of two two top recruits yeah. as an assistant coach uh, after like having to fire one of them for being named in the the black papers from the feds. Right. And uh, how this was perfectly legal. Jay Billows posted something about it on Twitter. Uh, this is legal, but that's not. And it's like you can't pay players, but you can hire their parents and pay them 
pretty much as much as you want, and the parents could buy the kid a car, yeah. you know, and then the kid commits. And uh, I guess Michael Porter uh, Jr. committed to Washington. His dad got hired there before the head coach got fired, and then Missouri hired him. Yeah, and then Porter came, uh, and his brother came as well. So it's like just it's just one of these sort of that's sketchy how, legal moves. Well, that's how the game so is played or I has been played. I didn't realize that Larry, Larry Brown hired Danny Manning's dad. Hired Dar- Danny Manning's dad and to be on the bench. To be on the bench, and Danny Manning came to Kansas and won a national championship. Uh, you in, know, very in a was very, that eighty eight? Uh, eighty eight in a very improbable manner. That Oklahoma team. They were an underdog. They were a six seed, I think. Was, was right? maybe an eight seed. It was either six or eight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'll, I'll be I'll be watching the Final Four. Like I, I like that uh, Cinderella team, Loyola Chicago. I'm pulling for Villanova against Kansas. Um, if for whatever reason you guys don't like Kansas, you guys should Google Billy Preston, five star recruit who was supposed to go to Kansas, but he did not play this year. It's a good good read. Good read slash search. It's interesting because it's what's so interesting about it. Give us a little tease. Uh, he basically got into a car accident uh, before the season started. The car was either too nice or it was leased to him, or you know, it was. It's just it's just one of these deals that's just part of the college basketball culture, I think. And um, the program wasn't sure how to. I'm trying to phrase my words very carefully. <laughs> They, I mean, they weren't exactly too sure what to do, so they just put him on hold for a while. And the, he got sort of frustrated. The parents got frustrated. Eventually, they just went to Europe to play. And this is going to make me like Kansas more. No, if you if you if you if you are <laughs> anti Kansas and you want oh, you okay. if you want to feed the an, the anti Kansas uh, energy, I prefer to put my head in the sand and not hear about any of this. Not stuff. know about any of the about stuff that anyone. actually goes on. Yeah, I mean that's just how the game's played. <laughs> if you if you watch the Spike Lee uh, movie, he got game. I mean, it's probably not that far off from from how things are actually done. It's been an interesting couple of years in college basketball, especially at Duke. Uh, Grayson going out. I guess we should end on Grayson. Um, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. I I really I really I really hoped he in this particular game he had stepped up big. Um, he he actually could have if that shot had just gone down. The narrative would have been totally changed. And I'm always struck um, after losses. And how my mood just changes so much oh, yeah. after a win versus a loss. And, and really, you know, what does it matter, Mike? Grayson has a big ticker. There's no doubt. And he yeah. has a big heart for Duke. Yes. And, you know, I love him back for that. Yeah. He played 45 minutes today. And he shot 313 and went 2 of 9 from 3. He made all four free throws down the stretch in regulation. And he, he wanted to take the shot. He wanted to win the game for the team, for his coach, for the fans. For, for all the right reasons. Yeah, and he didn't trip anyone this year. There was, he, was there a small part of you that thought maybe he would like tackle <laughs> Malik Newman at the end of the game on that final foul with about nine seconds left? I thought, thought, I, I thought there was, I thought there was a small chance he, he would like go diving in there with a football tackle, but... I'm glad he uh, was able to restrain himself. I'll say this about Grayson: it wasn't his best game. It wasn't. It wasn't Wisconsin in 2015. He didn't quite get it done for us, but 
He made all four free throws. He had four rebounds. He had four assists. He had four steals. He played four years for us. Yeah. It's and just so, it's, you know. It's just puzzling for me because his sophomore year was so fantastic. Um, he averages 21 and a half points. And last year, maybe he was plagued by injury. And I want to say maybe last year and this year, there were a lot of alphas that you need to feed into. And, and he's... It's a trickier dynamic. Yeah. He was much more cognizant of that dynamic, whereas on that team his sophomore year, he was much more... He and Brandon Ingram were the guys who were called on to do almost all the scoring. Yeah, he shot better that year. He shot he shot 40... You know, 417 from three so it, that year, and he shot 375 this year, 365 last year, 346 his freshman year. So, which is the outlier? It's probably just that he 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 just was a little I was just walking on water the whole season. Yeah, he just ran a that, little good. So that's that's what yeah. makes it somewhat disappointing for me is because right. we thought he might he, be he flashes that his sophomore year, which most people like JJ Redick, there's a progression. You get better your junior year than your national player of the year, your senior year. And I was just really hoping for that progression because I've always been a Grayson Allen fan. And it just didn't quite turn out that way. I thought maybe after the Michigan State game earlier this season that it would trend that way. And wow, like, wow, this guy's one of the best players in the country. And then he just sort of reverted to about 14, 15 points a game and distributing and leading. Yeah, we're talking about points and shooting. Uh, I think leadership-wise... He did grow and develop. Uh, he had more assists this year by by a decent margin than in the other years. He had more steals this year. Uh, you know, so and he did shoot thirty seven point five percent from three. Uh, it just seemed like he lacked a little bit of the killer, yeah, the killer instinct, killer that, instinct that we that we that we really loved, yeah, and like. Was a little He's, less sure. It must have been must have been difficult to play with four freshmen. Yeah, you know, it must have been difficult. He must have spent a lot of energy with four. Yeah, you know, giving to right. those guys, giving, you know? giving, corralling, leading, yeah. making sure everyone's on the same page, making sure Wendell doesn't get dispirited, make sure Trey's not doing anything too too crazy, out of control, making sure Bagley gets his dunks and alley oops. Yeah. It's going I mean, to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Overall, I, I think he, you know, admirable effort, pretty good season. Goes down as the 12th all-time leading scorer in Duke history. Just shy of 2,000 Just points. a few buckets shy. Four, four points shy. Just, just a few buckets shy. Uh, mm. So thanks, thank you, Grayson Allen. Yes. Uh, good career. Really good career. Just not phenomenally great. Yeah. Really good career, though, and uh, thanks Thanks for staying for four years, and uh, you know, to the freshmen, good luck. We're we'll talking about you, all these guys in the draft preview, and what we think is going to happen with them. Uh, and we wish them all the best. All right. Well, uh, anything, uh, anything else before we wrap? We'll probably be back in three to four weeks, depending. Sure. Uh, you know, if there's a bunch of news with coaching or guys leaving early or not leaving early the, the big surprise for me will be if someone comes back last year we were surprised a little surprised Frank Jackson left um, although not completely shocked but a little surprised that's actually something I'm looking forward to next year see if uh, Frank Jackson gets a little play Harry Giles and Frank Jackson <laughs> are going to be rookies next year in the NBA and, and I'm along also, with all these guys I'm also hoping that Harry Giles is just like Marvin Bagley when he comes back fully healthy that he's got the bounce Bigger wingspan. 
No, no chance. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm still waiting to watch the real Harry Giles yeah, play. Yeah, a couple of good things to sweat next year, but definitely. Yeah, just overall a bit deflating. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen many, many Duke seasons, and the blue white game is just around the corner. Just so, short seven months away. <laughs> just a few months oh, away. Man. All right. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, talking to me all year and letting me interrupt you and uh, talk over you. Uh, all season, Peter. Appreciate that. And thank you, Mike, for coming up with this idea. Yeah, it's been fun. I've I've it, I've had fun arguing about it, about basketball with you for the year. Uh, arguing with myself. <laughs> These yeah. crazy therapy sessions for you. And you, I feel like we're right about some things, and uh, some things we probably like we're we're probably too quick to to condemn like some of the play earlier in the season. A little too quick to condemn like the coaching a little bit and like they got there they 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 did improve the team uh the defense did improve i i had little faith at a certain point yeah um but yeah the ended up being a, a decent season pretty decent season 29 wins uh we're blessed right we really are what so. did we finish 29 and 8 uh yeah we could be pit you know we, you know, Pitt won zero ACC games and didn't really come close. And we won 13 ACC games and, you know, so, uh, you know, let's, let's be grateful for what we do have. And what we do have is an all-new team next year that's going to be very interesting to see and observe and hopefully will uh, we'll not disappoint our incredibly high unrealistic expectations with the number one, number two, and number three overall recruits, and Tyus Jones' brother. Who's and the number one point guard. Yeah. How about that? That's going to be something. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Good Duke. Talk to you soon.